to the Cinema Rack, where we celebrate the greatest and worst in Hollywood films and their most self-indulgent narcissistic actors, directors, and producers. Here, we will laud and malign Hollywood's seedier elements with levity and humor. They love cinema as much as anyone does. They've been talking about it for over 30 years. Time to get trashy. Here's Gregory and May. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory. Welcome back to another episode of the... Cinema Rang, I hope you're doing well today. Today we're going to talk about Damien Chazelle's movie Babylon. Now, I will spoil this movie. It's been out for a good three months and it's currently on Paramount Plus if you own that streaming service. So I definitely recommend uh, you check that out. Check out the movie if you have Paramount Plus or know somebody who has it before listening to this. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know something about movies. So you you do know that Babylon is a Damien Chazelle movie. He's most famous for Whiplash, which we have here as a movies that I love episode. And he also did First Man and probably most famous La La Land. So Babylon takes place in the 1920s and essentially follows three major figures. You have Brad Pitt who plays Jack Conrad, who at the beginning of the movie is a leading leading man in the silent films. And then you have Marvel Robbie as Nelly. Nellie Roy, who's this up-and-coming, kind of like New Jersey trash girl who shows up in in Hollywood wanting to make it big. And then you have Diego Calva, who's this um, Mexican actor playing Manny Torres. And at the beginning of the movie, he's essentially a, a migrant laborer. And it follows these... And there's, there's two other characters. There's an Asian dancer, and there is an, a black guy who plays the trumpet and kind of follows the the careers of these five through about 10 years. The movie ends probably in the early 30s. It starts in 1922 and ends around the early 30s. And it is essentially a, a story of early Hollywood. So when the movie begins, Hollywood is in the silent film era and it's making its transition to talkies, to, to speaking. And so that's kind of the backdrop of it. Now, this movie did not get any above-the-line Academy Award nominations. In other words, for directing, best movie, actor, actress, nothing like that. It got three nominations for Below the Line, for, I think, best costume and a couple other things. So it essentially got snubbed. And here, here's the issue with this movie. So it is three hours long. Damien Chazelle had Final Cut, and it's one of those great examples where directors need not have Final Cut. Now look, there's some great movies that because they didn't have Final Cut, they're they're iconic, but this is a movie that could have been so much better had somebody been able to cut some of the fat off of it. The movie is over the top. It is intentionally over the top because it's trying to show, as the name would suggest, Babylon, that this was a time of excess. And it's a time that us Americans a hundred years later really don't know much about. When you think of the 1920s, maybe you think of Earl Flynn, maybe you think of Charlie Chaplin. We really don't know a lot about people from this time, but Chazelle is definitely in love with the movies and loves this period. And just, you can see it in all of his movies. You can see it in all of his movies that he loves Hollywood. You can see it in Modern Land, which is kind of his homage to the musicals. But you certainly see it here. And I think that the critical pan of this movie has to do with like some of the scenes, like the first 20 minutes is essentially a hedonistic bacchanal of just 
people having sex at this crazy party. There's there's an elephant. There's just all types of depravity, and and there's like three of these scenes in the in the movie where it just takes away from the plot and character development. And when you take away this opening first 20 minutes, which in some ways are there to introduce the characters, Brad Pitt's character is the, the kind of the star and everyone looks up to him and Margot Robbie is the nobody who gets the break and becomes somewhat famous. And, and then Diago Calva works his way up and essentially becomes a music, I'm sorry, a movie executive even though he, he is Mexican at this time. And you kind of see all of this. But these these scenes of just decadence take away from it. There's another scene where they all go, they're all partying together, and they all go to the desert, and Nelly Roy, Margot Robbie's character, uh, wants to have somebody fight a rattlesnake, and so there's this scene, it just, it's just idiocy and just takes takes away from it. And then later on, later on in the movie, Diego Calva, who plays Manny, the, the Mexican movie producer, he has, he has this encounter because uh, Nellie Roy, who he's already had, always had a crush on, comes to him because she's broke. He's like, I owe these these mobsters essentially $80,000 and they're going to kill me. So he meets with the head of the, of the mobsters. He's played by Tobey Maguire and like, like it's good to see him acting and he is such a creep in this movie. And so the whole scene plays out where his friend gives him $80,000. He's like, thank you so much for bringing this to, to, to save us. And he's like, no, this is fake money. And so there's this great kind of tension. And it reminds me of Boogie Nights, at the end of Boogie Nights, when Mark Wahlberg, uh, Dirk Diggler, goes in with a guy who's, who's all coked up and is throwing firecrackers. And it has this, this great tension because uh, building up because we know that it's fake money. We know that Toby McGuire, when he finds out, he's going to kill him. And that tension is great. What I don't really care for is it's another like just excessive scene where he takes Toby McGuire takes Diablo Cava and his friend to this party and you just go and it's just this this three it's like it's like going in Dante's Inferno it's like every they go to this raucous party and at, at the beginning it looks like a, it's like, like a, a boxing fight it's like oh no wait we're going downstairs I want to show you this guy who's going to be the next great movie star and it's like descending into these levels of just horrific hell I feel like I was in the old Hellraiser movies mixed with Saw so you go in the next floor it's like midgets having sex and they show these things people are all in bondage and then eventually get to the lowest level where this guy's eating rats and that's when that's when that's when Tony McGuire's character finds out that he is using fake money to pay off Nellie Roy's um, debt. And then, you know, again, you could have done all of this without showing this 20 minutes of descending into this crazy L.A. hell world. Uh, so it's like if, if, if Chazelle had good people in his life, and his wife, who has small roles in La La Land, it plays a role as a female director early on that kind of uh, helps Nelly Roy, helps Margot Robbie find her fame. It's like if people in his life like his wife, let's take a break. I wanted to let you know about the other feeds that we have here at the Eclectico Gregorio channel. We have The Awakened Man, which has been around since the spring of 2017, which mostly focuses on having men and women reach their full potential by knowing about toxins in the food, big pharma cover-ups, and ways to biohack your life we also have the female holistic health apothecary which is a channel that originally started as an essential oils channel 
and there's about 65 essential oils that are broken down over there and then more recently about two years ago i just pivoted and made it more about female holistic health and naturopathic health because i'm a big proponent of let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food and lastly we have the confessions of an obese child feed which i started in january 2017 which chronicles what it's like to be an overweight child i was an overweight child and i lost over 100 pounds and kept it off for 30 plus years so it's a channel like if you have disordered eating or had a dysfunctional childhood how to deal with that how to how to function with that and also discusses and i interview various people that have a similar background of dysfunctional childhood binge eating binge drinking and how to deal with that and there's a lot of great interviews over there so those are the three other feeds at the eclectico gregorio channel now let's get back to the show so if people in his life would have given him feedback and you know, like this movie is too fat cut these three extravagant opulent scenes that don't really lead to any plot or character development this movie would have been infinitely better had it just focused on Hollywood and what it was like back in the 1920s and followed the, the career trajectories of these five people, um, the movie would have been infinitely better and probably would have gone Academy Award nominations for some of the uh, actors, if not for Best Picture. But it was one of those where he probably got feedback from the studio, from Paramount, and he's like, I don't care, I have final cut, I want to do what I want to do, and we're going to show it like this. And because of that, it didn't get any Academy Award nominations. Now, there are people who love this movie, and they're saying in five to ten years, it's going to come around and people are going to love this movie because it's ahead of its time. I will say this. The movie is ambitious on so many levels. Like a lot of Chazelle's movies, even, even the more understated ones, they're very ambitious. And he is talented. He's still young. I think Whiplash, he was 28, so he's probably like 36. He's very young, and there's a lot of beauty in this movie. Just a lot of just amazing filmmaking. Like there's this scene where they're making the transition into uh, into the speakies, to the to the talkies, and Nelly Roy, played by Margot Robbie, is having problems with one scene where she's playing a college co-ed, and they have to do multiple cuts of it because she's either missing her mark, and the microphone's not there, and the director, played by Demi Chazelle's wife, is like, well, let's just move the microphone, and the guy's like, you can't move the microphone, it takes too much work, and then people are coming in, people are wearing the wrong shoes, people are, are opening the door, and it's just this great scene, it's just, it's an amazing scene, it's hard to explain, and there's, the movie is, has these scenes that are just beauty, but all this opulence and extravagance, like the 20-minute orgy at the beginning, and the rattlesnake in the middle, and the Tobey Maguire scene, which I'm not saying they should have cut. They, could, they should have cut it down, but not cut him out, because he's amazing in it, takes away from the movie. And I just wish Chazelle maybe will learn from this and get some humility, because he's very talented and be like, the next movie, yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, and maybe, maybe him not getting any Academy Award nominations for this movie um, will help because his other three movies, Whiplash, got J.K. Simmons in the Academy Award. I don't know if First Man, I think Claire Ford got an Academy Award nomination. Uh, La La Land, of course, he got Best Director and almost won Best Picture. And Emma Stone won Best Actress. And I think Gosling was nominated for Best Actor. So this is the first movie where, no, above the line, no one got nominated. So maybe he'll get some humility from this and be like, yeah, I, I can't have Final Cut. Or he needs people in his life. Or he'll be like, no, this is amazing. In 20 years, it'll be amazing. And it should have been cut. It should have been cut. And had he cut these scenes, 
about Don't Lead Jamie Plotter character development, the movie would have been amazing. And that being said, look, I like the movie. Even with those scenes, I'm cringing because I don't need to see sodomy and I don't need to see orgies and dwarfs having sex and, and elephants defecating on people and uh, Margot Robbie vomiting on these people for, for it to be a, a good movie. I don't need that. I don't need that. It's like what I said about La La Land. La La Land's a rom-com, but I just skip all the musicals. You don't even need the musical numbers, in my opinion. But in this case, it took away from the movie. But if you look at the movie, it kind of reminded me of like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Tarantino, how that movie kind of took you to a time and place in the late 60s Hollywood where Leo, Leo's character, of course, is kind of being phased out of, of Hollywood. But it just takes you to that, that period of time. And this movie does a real good job of taking you to what it was like to make movies in the 1920s. There's a scene where Manny, Diablo Cava's character, when he's up and coming, like when he's just essentially Brad Pitt's helper assistant, he walks onto the movie set in the desert and you just see all these different movies being shot, these silent films being shot all around each other. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful shot that Chazelle does there. And so you have all these great kind of scenes, but it, it's taken away by this, uh, this just unneeded bacchanalia. Now let's look at the the performances. So Brad Pitt, he's leading this movie. Look, he plays the the aging silent star who's being phased out because he's not a good actor. Now that they have uh, speakies, talkies, he, people realize he's not a good actor. He's playing Brad Pitt. He's playing Brad Pitt. He's got the mustache. He kind of looks like his role in Allied in the Marion Cotillard movie. He's Brad Pitt, so I don't really have much take on his 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 acting. I, I'm not a big fan. Of, look, I love Brad Pitt as a movie star, but I'm not a big fan of his acting. Man, I always fight about this. Margot Robbie is amazing in this movie. I mean, she is. I I don't think, and I know her pretty well. I've never seen her in a movie like this. She is so over the top, and she has great character development on some levels throughout the movie because she's essentially a New Jersey beautiful train wreck who comes to Hollywood and through a series of luck and just being very brazen over the top, she becomes a silent film star, but it's the same self-destructive tendencies that lead to her demise. But she's amazing in this movie. She's, and I'm really surprised that she didn't get an Academy Award nomination. I mean, <laughs> Andrea Riseborough, I mean, look, come on. You should have given a nomination uh, for Robbie in this movie because she is acting very well. She's really good in this movie, and you know, take take Anna de Armas's nomination away from Blonde because I mean I think I think Robbie's much better than this. Diego Calva is the unknown. He plays Manny. Yeah, yeah. I mean he's he's kind of the protagonist. He's kind of the Nick Carraway of the Great Gatsby. Like you see this whole world through his eyes because the movie starts with him essentially a, a, a laborer migrant, and he works his way up through. You know, he's a nice guy in this movie, all the way up to being essentially a, at least a mid-level movie producer in the, in the late 20s, and he gets wealthier and wealthier and so forth, and the whole time he has this crush on Margot Robbie's character. He, he's what we would call in the Red Pill world a simp. He's a complete simp, because Margot Robbie's character treats him like crap, and she's a whore, and she's sipping around doing cocaine, she's just a train wreck. And Manny, even though he's reaching these levels of success, and he's dating beautiful women, can't let go of his crush 
for Margot Robbie's character in the role. And at the end, he's like, "There's just one way because case uh, of, of what happens with Tobey Maguire's gangster character. They have to leave. If not, they're going to get killed." And just this is one way to Mexico. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And she's made his life hell. Just he's had to bail her out all the time. And she did just again, he's an orbiter. What we call him, an orbiter, a guy, nice guy who just surrounds a girl and thinks that he's a nice guy. She'll eventually come around, even though she's banging other women. And so there's this sad scene at the end. He's like, "I love you. I've always loved you. Please come with me." And then she's like, "Okay, I'll go with you." And then I won't ruin that. But what happens there? But I, I don't think he does a good job here. And like, it's just kind of the, 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 the diversity of movies today. Like, we need to have the. And I'm not talking about the two other uh, kind of storylines here. We have a black guy who plays a trumpet and his kind of success and what happens with him. And then we have this Asian, um, I guess you would call her a burlesque dancer and what happens with her. But we, you know, we have to have the Asian, the black, and now we have to have the Hispanic uh, migrant who becomes a movie producer in the 1920s. I mean, it's just kind of this Cinderella story that's kind of unbelievable. But I, I you know, regardless of... of the affirmative action of this movie. I just don't think Diablo Cava does a good job in this movie. He's kind of a, a kind of weak link. There are a lot of great cameos. I mean, there's a lot of people in this movie. Like I mentioned, Tommy McGuire doesn't show up until like the last 30 minutes. He is amazing as the drugged up, drugged up mafia guy. He is just, it's so good to see him play this role. And he's in this Max Minghella in this that is El Fanning's boyfriend he plays kind of a movie producer you have Olivia Wilde with a cameo I'm not a big fan of her of course uh, you have Chloe Feynman playing Marion Davis we've talked about Feynman on the SNL episode you got Catherine Watterson you have Eugene Lee you have Flea Lucas Haas I mean there's just a lot of people whose faces Eric Roberts plays Nelly plays Margot Robbie's dad there's just a lot of characters when you watch this movie you're like oh my god I know that it's, it's one of those that guys <laughs> it's a that guy so in closing look I like the movie I recommend it especially if you want to just it's like a history lesson of Hollywood in the 1920s and when you get to those three aforementioned scenes honestly just skip it it's just I mean if you want to see I guess good filmmaking it's, it's fine but I would skip it the other thing is I just noticed him ripping off from from Baz Luhrmann and P.T. Anderson a little in this movie. Now, what I, what I mean by Baz Luhrmann, I mean, if you watch early Baz's work, and his most recent movie was Elvis, he's just very, I, I always use this adjective when explaining Baz, but just frenetic. He's just very frenetic, over the top with the music and the dancing and all that. And so in this movie, I just really sensed that he's like ripping off from Baz Luhrmann. And then with P.T. Anderson, See a lot of the shots, the, the, the shots that Anderson is kind of known for, I, I see in Chazelle, and then like with the scene with Toby McGuire, you have to watch it, but the, the, the henchman is always spitting, is always spitting and spitting, it reminds me of the firecracker scene in Boogie Nights, and I just see him kind of ripping off a little from these two actors, but as a whole, again, I think it's a cautionary tale, because Babylon is a story of Hollywood's excessiveness and Hollywood's decadence and Hollywood's bloated pride and I think this is all a metaphor for Chazelle and that Giselle's Denis Chazelle's pride and humorous got in the way of this movie being amazingly good and potentially winning Best Picture but he couldn't rein in his ego or his creativity or no one in his life was there to tell him to cut a lot of these scenes Guys, I'll post a poll over at the cinema. You let me know what you thought of this movie once you see it again. It's on Paramount Plus if you haven't seen it. Until next time, take care, God bless, and pray.
Thanks for listening to The Cinema Rack. Please post an honest review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Check out the episode notes to visit our website and to make a donation. Lastly, follow the rag today. Until next time.